The Sustainable Voice, bringing you big successes from small places worldwide. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sustainable Voices. I just got back from Colombia, my 41st visit. Uh, and this one trip was like no other. You see, this trip visited a place that I've been talking about getting to for some time now. Um, I've been talking about getting here, gosh, 12 years ago, I went to this place for the first time. It was an epic disaster, right? I mean, it was, there was nothing. Um, shouldn't say nothing. There was something really beautiful here. But it was a place that I just, you know, I saw potential in it, but I wanted to come back. However, it rained nonstop. There was no infrastructure. But something about it just called into me, right? And, and you know, this is one of those places where, you know, you just stumble upon something when you're traveling and you're visiting somebody, just stumble into something by accident. You get there and go, I'm really glad I got here. Well, that's what happened here. So we were basically, you know, when you think about what we had, you know, 12 years ago, I got here just by chance. It was a long drive getting in. Somebody told me to go. And I'm going to mention the place in a second. But but getting here, it took driving, getting in four by four, trekking, even getting in a boat and then swimming and whatnot. And it was raining and it was muddy and, and it was it should have been completely not enjoyable. Yet it was great came back and said, yeah, the day was a disaster, but there's something special here. You just stumble into greatness, if you will. The place I'm talking about is Caño Cristales and La Macarena in Colombia. Now, I mentioned this is my 41st visit to Colombia. A lot of people might be thinking, 41 times to where? Let me explain. I went to Colombia in 2006 for my very first time, and I fell in love with the place. Right, I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I was even propositioned by by person who claimed to be my guide when I was going to the hotel. Obviously, I said no. But I started understanding that this is what they thought, what some of the local people thought they should be subjected to, or what people come here to find. Everybody knows Colombia's past. Everybody knows what its history is, and everybody knows what it's famous for. In fact, I tell all of you right now. Just tell your friends, I'm thinking about going to Colombia and see the reaction on their face. See how many of them raise their eyebrows or lose the color in their face, especially if you're telling your family and they go, wait, what, why? Why are you going here? That's, that's just it. You see, I got here in 2006 and I just fell in love with what was there. And I kept seeing little stories. You've seen on past episodes how much we've talked about how tourism has transformed this country, right? Big successes in small places. I saw something this time around in La Macarena, 12 years after I left. And the first time was a disaster, but the first time I left and said, I am promising myself I will come back. There's still not much of an infrastructure. It's still pretty simple. But I wanted to come back because there's something here. Now, let me explain to you what Caño Cristales, first of all, is, right, before I get into La Macarena. So I want you to, I want you to, to set the scene for you. To get here, you've got to drive or fly, and then you got to go on a boat, you got to trek, go by four by four, and you're, you're schlepping in the mud, and you could be anywhere from 600 feet above sea level to 8,000 feet above sea level, depending on where you are in this reserve. But then you get to this water, and it's luminescent algae that is green in normal times, but the, once the sun hits it, it starts changing to different colors, be it yellow, be it red. I mean, just you name it, it is across the board. 
And it's the most beautiful river you're ever going to see because it is pristine, it is pure, the water is clear, and it's you never realize that you're you're basically in a remote jungle. You know, if you look at a map of where La Macarena is, you're basically on the outskirts, you're way remote of Bogota, you're not near anything resembling a civilization. More on how I found that out later on, by the way. Uh, but you start getting here, and there's something there. Now, that's the scene, right? This river of beautiful color, the river of five colors that you get here, and it's like nothing you have ever seen before. In fact, when I got here in 2012, the first thing I thought of uh, was actually my high school English teacher, who's since passed on. Uh, he was he was transcendent, and he talked about the sirens that sang to Homer as he he crossed the straits in the, in, in the you know the, in his book. And he talked about, you know, the, the just, just when Homer passed through and all these sirens were singing and it was so beautiful and it could lure you in. I started thinking about that. Now, there's no sirens here. But I started thinking about this river and thinking, you know, much like Homer or the Odyssey or anybody else in history that has taken a journey. And then I don't mean you could, you could put Christopher Columbus in here, you could put Homer, you could put any mytholo mythological figure in here. There's always a, 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 a stressful point and a struggle to get there. But then once you get her, it's like this utopia takes over. That's Caño Castales. You get there, you're hot, you're tired, you're covered in mud, you probably have horse fly bites on you. But then you see something and go, I can't believe I'm here. This is something incredible. I've never seen something like this in my life. See, that's Kenya Castales. That's this vision of this river of five colors of algae that changes different color. And imagine a water that's so clear and you've got the flags of India, the US, Canada, UK, Australia, all underneath uh, in Kenya as well, might as well, and Colombia too. And you have the, all these colors under the water in the form of algae. And the water that is so clear that you could drink from it. That's Kenya Gustavus. Now add in the fact that this whole area is all tar pits, as oil. What's, what's the phrase? There's oil in them, there hills. There's oil under this tar pit. And, and, and you see it oozing up at certain places as you walk past it. But preserving it is not really what drew me in. Of course, it's a, it's a purpose, but it's not what drew me in. It's a person I met on this trip, or I didn't really meet him, I knew him, but I got to see him again. Juan Pablo is his name. Juan Pablo is a local biologist that is Colombian uh, and, and has grown up in Colombia and made it a point to come to La Macarena all these years ago. He was there, you know, gosh, almost 10 years ago and even beyond. And he built this eco-lodge that's here called La Manigua. And it's, it's a pretty simple lodge, but it's, it's not a lodge. It's a biology project, you know? And, and I find it ironic that, I mean, at the time of this recording, we just celebrated Father's Day and he's like a father figure. He's half my age, but he's like a father figure. Let me explain what I mean. When you get to La Macarena and you have to, to get here, you have to fly or drive. We flew to get in. And this was, you know, a 12-year vision that was just being fulfilled because I was determined to get back here. You ask anybody who's come to Columbia with me, I have driven them insane over the last 12 years trying to get back to La Macarena. So 12 years later, I get back here. It's a flight that comes in. Once we land, we have to, it's a simple town. You got to get in a four by four. 
And it's a very simple, simple town. It, it takes you back, right? It takes you back in time. The structure, everything here, it's like literally everybody here is living in the 80s, uh, even the 70s, and sometimes even beyond. It's like a little pueblito. Uh, and, and, you know, you've got this one guy who's a biology professor, a biology biologist, excuse me, who's here researching this algae, researching this river, researching everything from the howler monkeys that are here and the wildlife and the bird life and everything that's here and trying to find ways to preserve it, including how to make sure that the ground's not dug up, um, you know, and then drilling doesn't reach here as well, like it's reached out the parts of the world. I'm not, I'm not vilifying oil companies. I know that there's a necessary, there's a necessary part of this. So by, by no means am I vilifying. I'm simply saying that protecting this area, right, is what Juan Pablo is doing. That's not what drew me into him. Again, why I say he's like a father to the people here. It's the little things. You know, when I first told him I was coming there, don't worry. When you get here, I have everything under control. Don't worry. We're going to make your vision come true. We're going to make this come true. So you get in these trucks and it's a pickup truck with a cage, essentially. So you're sitting in the back. Took me back to my, took me, actually I had visions of my time in Sudan because we're sitting in little Nissan pickup trucks and Toyota pickup trucks. And you're sitting in the back and you're going over this rough road and there's mud flying everywhere and water and rocks and whatnot. And you start thinking about, oh, this takes me back in time. This takes me back to when I was going through Sudan. So all of a sudden, even you, who's maybe visiting here for the first or second time or third time or, you know, visiting Colombia for the first time, you're taken back in time to an experience where you, you felt like you were out in the middle of nowhere, an experience where you felt like you were doing something different, an experience where you felt like you were somewhere remote. And we were pretty remote, by the way. I mean, the flight alone from Bogota took an hour. The drive takes how many more hours going through different roads, even, uneven, bumpy, not bumpy, paved, not paved. I chose to fly last time I drove and my organs are still just still rearranging themselves all these years later from that drive. So you get into this simple town and that's where Juan Pablo's magic takes over. Because you start meeting all these local guides and local people and just the sheer volume of jobs that are created from one visit, you start quantifying in your head, how many jobs are created here over the course of a year? Because this area of La Macarena is not hotbed tourism, but they are shifting to ecotourism. They have shifted into his commitment to sustainable tourism and ecotourism and starting to think about that. So start talking to Juan Pablo and start seeing that he knows everybody, first of all. And as we're talking, I start talking to some of the guides, some of his, his local guides that are taking us around, guides that are also helping out with the biology research. Guides that are not really, you know, not by the name, right? We, we think of guides, we think of guides who've been to, to school, they got a degree in something, and then they're experts in the field. These guys haven't been to any kind of master's degree or anything like that. They're experts in their field of La Macarena because they grew up here. And what they had to go through was incredible. The transformation that's happened here is the very reason why podcasts like this exist. The very reason why I believe the phrase sustainability and sustainable tourism exist, right? That word gets tossed around everywhere, but why it exists is because of places like this. I'll explain to you what I mean. 
as we're doing our briefing with Juan Pablo and we're going over our walking sticks and the pouches and what we have to carry and prepare for and the mud and everything else and how to stay together and go through and see everything and what we're going to find. One of the guides starts talking to me and I ask him, how did we get here? It's one of my favorite questions, right? I mean, those of you who know me, you know that I've asked this question to everybody. How did we get here? How did we get to this moment right here? He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, there's obviously a journey and a story arc to get you here. So, you know, as my friend Jay Golden says in the journey curve, and then what? Right? What happened first? And then what happened? And then what happened? And then what happened? So I started talking to him. Turns out when he was my daughter's age, probably even a little younger, he was a runner. What that means is that his parents would stick narcotics into attached to his leg and they would put the pants over and pretend, tell him to pretend he's asleep as they cross the border. He was a mule. He is how some of his illicit drugs got into the US. He was by no fault of his own, right? He was a kid. And his parents were doing it out of desperation because if they didn't do it, then they would be reper repercussions to the other part of the family, right? So it wasn't like they, they chose this profession, but it was being done. Listening to him, listening to him. And, and I'm a total geek as I'm listening to him because I remember these stories from 12 years ago. Then I remembered something had been found here in 2010. And, and right around the time I had visited, the first time, I had, there was something big was found here. So I started asking about that. It was a mass grave. We start talking about that as well, mass graves that are found here and what's happening here and what used to be here and the violent past that was here. And you start looking and your eyes just open up, your jaw drops and you start just taking in every word like a sponge. It's as if you're a 12 year old back in school again, listening to a professor who is just hitting on every single word and who's got your attention and then some the whole time and you're hanging on everything that professor is saying. That's what was happening here. This local person, my guide, and Juan Pablo become professors to me. They, I, I, I am hanging on their every word. They're hitting every single word. They are hitting every single point. Every button I have to, to get me to engage, they are hitting. All senses are go, right? What's the phrase, right? Everything is go. All systems are go. And I'm listening to him talk about this. I'm, and I'm thinking in my head, there were mass graves that are found here. We talked about that. Yeah, that was found over here. This is what it was. This is what it was about. Okay, this is what I did. This is what a lot of people here had this history. Listening to him going, this is incredible. And then I said, how, what shifted? He said, well, the peace treaty was signed and controversial or not, it did change a lot of lives. And it started focusing in on giving us purpose to what we we're doing. Huh. He said, but, Rather than me explaining to you what that means and what changed, let's, let's go see. I'll show you. Into the pickup truck I climbed, sitting in the back. Now, they had a, they had a, it was, it was, a, it was a, a cab truck, right? So you could have gotten into the inside cabin of the front two doors. I said, no, 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 no. I want to sit in the back because I really want to see what's out here. I'm going to miss something. You know, it's been a long time since I've been somewhere and said, I, I, I don't want to miss anything. I want to see everything. I don't want to miss anything. I want to sit, tie me to the roof if you have to. It's been a long time since that's happened. And this is what happened to me. And I've been here before and I'm still doing that. There I am in the back of the truck, up and down, up and down. All I could think of is that scene from Ace Ventura. I don't know why I even thought about that. But the scene from Ace Ventura where, where, where Jim Carrey's character is bouncing around in his Jeep or, or Land Cruiser and he's on a paved road. 
um, we weren't on a paved road. This was full dirt going through mud, going through puddles, going through everywhere, up and down, ebb and flow. And every time we'd stop, I'd see these guys coming up with machine guns and sunglasses. And I remember one particular person, a local, uh, our, uh, our military officer had walked up, sunglasses on, hat on, machine gun in his hand like this, and he's, you know, full military gear, very serious look on his face. Comes up, starts asking me in Spanish where I'm from, asking everybody what you guys are doing, what we're doing here. We talked about tourism, how we're coming to see. And when I mentioned tourism, this smile breaks up on his face. He, he starts laughing. He goes, oh, welcome to Macarena. Welcome to Cano Cristales. You're coming here. He starts explaining that his job is just to make sure that what happened here in the past doesn't happen again. He is he's set to patrol here. It's an uneventful job, but he's proud doing it because he wants to patrol here to make sure that, that Colombia and this area of Macarena never goes back to what it was. It's, it keeps moving forward. Huh. I thought that was pretty, pretty incredible. Thought that that was something that I didn't expect. So we start going through and looking more and more at these at these things and talking to more people. Another another military officer, machine gun. Another military officer, and then we're talking amongst each other as well and explaining all these things. Going, wow, oh, this is really cool. So now we hit this bumpy area, and I put my arms up like this. So I'm holding on to the railing, you know, right, right, literally like a cage, right? The back end is open, the bed but I'm holding on like a cage, uh, you know, just, to, just to, 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 to keep myself sturdy and stable as we go through this big bump. Well, this shoulder dislocates. It's obviously relocated now because I can move my arm. And I've dislocated enough times where I know how to pop it back in now, right? So I have to now show somebody how to pop that shoulder back in. If you never had it done, it is quite painful. I wish I could sit here and tell you that it was cathartic or some sort of experience that brought relief once the shoulder went back in, quite the opposite. It hurt coming out and it hurt going back in. Now, <laughs> I mind you, I, I guess it's something that make you maybe makes you feel like a man's man, right? Because as I'm doing this, I'm, I don't know if I should you know, crawl in the corner of the fetal position and wait for help or if I should just grin and bear it. Before I can decide, another military officer comes up and is shaking hands and saying hi and laughing and proud that we're all there and proud to show off Macarena. And now I have to shake his hand. I use my left hand to shake his hand, not my right hand. And I'm, don't lead on to what's happening because the shoulder has not been put back into place, but I don't lead on to how much pain is there. <laughs> At which point somebody local says, hey, do you need a, you need some medical care? I said, I don't know. I might need a doctor. He goes, well, we have a witch doctor. Hmm, a witch doctor. And somebody this morning said to me, well, I would have tried it. Yeah, I'm still adventurous, but I'm not that adventurous. So I got really quiet. And the gentleman who's there starts asking me with the military officer, why are you so quiet? What are you thinking about? He goes, I'm wondering if my shoulder hurts bad enough to warrant a witch doctor or if I can just keep going. Keep going. I couldn't believe how many smiling faces we're seeing everywhere. People who are just so happy to see you and talk to you and, and, and you know, locals. Again, all locals, most, most of them guides. And so we start getting out the truck and start trekking. We have to go in a boat first to get there. And then the vehicle, I forget the order, was basically planes, cars, and, and, and walking all over the place, or however you want to do it. But it was, it, was a, it was a full gamut. So we start walking through this field, and it's sand. It feels like quicksand. You can see the oil coming out. It's rocks. It's hotter than Hades as you're walking through here. You're thinking to yourself, there's oil coming on this ground. 
but I'm supposed to find pristine waters. I still cannot believe nature's working in this way. And I'm listening to the guides and the porters talking about their background and how much pain they've been through, whether it's at the hands of, uh, of a cartel past or the paramilitary or the guerrillas or you name it, right? There, there's, there's a violent past that brought them to this point. And that was the one word, violent. You know, we started talking about how we got here. Every story revolved around violence. And every story revolved around how Juan Pablo changed their life, a, a local biologist, and how he changed their life because of his commitment, because of his commitment. And literally, he, you know, just this commitment to, to showing off this area in Colombia before it became a thing. And we start thinking and looking. And, and all of a sudden, one of the guides says, okay, now please close your eyes. Please look down. Only look down. Open your eyes when you walk, but look down, not up. We get there. And I hear water running. And I'm getting excited because I'm like, ooh, I was here last time. But it was a different area. I was here last time and it was beautiful. But I, I remember I was so cloudy and it was raining. And I remember what I saw. I can't excited. I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we did it. Juan Pablo, Juan Pablo is next to me. And he's prepared us well. Right? We're all wrapped up in hiking shoes and waterproof shoes and hiking pants and wrapped on the head. And we're wearing a a uh, scarf or a bandana, and we've got a hat. We've got, I mean, you name it, right? I mean, we we look like we were we were setting out to be in the next Indiana Jones movie, right? I mean, we're the, we were the next Indiana Jones, I guess, and we look like that. Then all of a sudden, we get here, and I look up. It was like I'd been here for the first time, even though I'd been here before. And I'm we're just at this point, it just set in us. I cannot believe we are. I looked at Juan Pablo. I said, Juan Pablo, how does this place exist? We just pass through oil fields. We pass through tar pits and we're here. How does this exist? He looked at me and he says, Ashish, look around you. This has always been here. We just couldn't get here. This has always been here. He said, Colombia, like other countries in the world that had a difficult past, have always been giving. It's just a matter of who's been taking. Those are some pretty solid words. So, of course, we get to the river. I'm stripping off my clothes. I got my bathing suit underneath. I'm ready to jump in. I didn't care whether how what it was hot, cold, and this water's there. Now, remember, we're not wearing any sunblock. We're not wearing insect repellent. We're not wearing any kind of chemical that could wash off into this water. We are, are preserving what's here. And I think in the whole time, I found maybe one piece of garbage, which when you hear stories about places like Mount Everest, just literally garbage now. I was expecting that. I didn't find that here. You know, is it unavoidable? Of course not. But it wasn't the degree that which I thought it was. And I started looking around and just seeing this transformation. Now, I want you to picture what I look like, right? So I've got just a bathing suit on. I've taken off my hot hiking clothes. I'm jumping in the water and I got a GoPro on my head right here. Like, ooh, turn it on. Go underwater. Swimming underwater with this GoPro on. Taking video of everything. I'm looking at the algae. You can't touch any of it. So you got to be careful not to step on it. You got to be careful not to where you are. The rocks are a bit slippery under the water. So you got to be careful not to cut yourself on the rock. But you just want to go in and just be careful and just look around. And it's just the water's not cold. The water's just perfect. And you're sitting up on this rock and then you go into this place. And this is a place where you're just taking in this view where you still can't believe that you're here. I'm talking to Juan Pablo about this as we get up going, Juan Pablo, this place is unbelievable. This is be more beautiful than I thought it would be. And he goes, this is what transformation looks like. This is what transformation through tourism looks like. And I was just waiting to say this. And I started to realize at that moment that this man who is in his 20s, maybe early 30s, 
is literally everybody's father. You know, he has become this father figure to help people make something of their life here. They're not relegated to whatever their environment are and their surroundings are. We hear the story all the time, right? Whether we talk about inner city in the U.S. or inner city in Canada or anywhere else in the world. We talk about kids saying, you know, you're not a victim of your circumstance. You got to make something of your life. You got these guys are doing that. Now, how much worse does it get than having having illegal narcotics strapped to your leg, having pants, but I'm telling your pants telling you, shh, pretend you're sleeping as you pass through law enforcement. Think about that for a second. And this is that's your childhood. And now here you are proudly as a guide, as, you know, I shouldn't say guide, but, but as somebody who's a teacher, as a professor, teaching you about the biology of, of, of these algae, the biology of the trees, the monkeys, the wildlife that's here, everything that's here, talking about this ecosystem. And that's what it is. It's a pure ecosystem. It is untouched. It is not, you know, it's not polluted. It's not tapped into. It's not dug. It's not drilled. It's just there. And nobody here is, is greedy about something. Nobody here is trying to milk the system. Nobody here is, is, is they're all proud of this one river. That's because of people like Juan Pablo. You start thinking about where, you know, where we talk about big successes. That's a huge success. And La Macarena is pretty small. This is as small as they come. It's a huge success in a place like this. It's a success that you wouldn't even be able to imagine. I think, think about this, okay? I've just described this to you and described about what this is look what this is looking like imagine if this hadn't happened imagine if tourism never really became a thing imagine if this place was never discovered kind of size was always here imagine if nobody found it what would have happened i mean the same could be said for lots of other places right but what if it hadn't been found you, you cross-reference it to other parts of the world where there's maybe strife happening and, and, and war happening and you think about the history that's being destroyed, whether it's structures or rock formations that are on the side of a mountain or whether it's carvings from the sixth century that are being destroyed. You start thinking about this going, how in, in such a violent past, how is a place like this not destroyed? How is a place like there that actually had so much illegal activity happening here decades ago? How is it still here and how is it so pristine? Well, here we are. This is the beauty of it. This is, this is what I mean. This is what we come down to. It's this experience to just come back and go, I don't even know what to even say in terms of how, how magical this is, right? Yeah, a guy like me has been, on, been traveling since I was four years old, literally. And it doesn't take, you know, it, I shouldn't say it takes a lot, right? It doesn't take, doesn't take, doesn't take it too often that I, that I lose my breath or I, I, I lose the ability to speak or I just jaw drops, mic drops, everything else. This is what happened. And it wasn't because of the river. It was because of the transformation that's occurred here. It's pretty powerful, right? And, and Juan Pablo is a big part of this. He's the reason why you have these big successes in small places. He epitomizes that, right? And I guess, yes, I know we're talking about Colombia again, but I just had to bring this up on, on, on a Father's Day. Uh, you know, that just passed and celebrating fatherly figures. And I'm a dad myself. And, and to all the fathers out there who were celebrated and just, you know, are grateful for their families. You got a guy like Juan Pablo who is doing something for a whole community. Kind of gets you to think that, huh, if he can do that in a place as remote as Macarena, what could we do? What are we capable of? What should we do? That's what this is about. This was about showing something so unique 
And I know it's called the River of Five Colors. And I know it's, it's uh, Caño Cristales is the, is the official name of that river. But it's something more. It's the water of transformation. It's the fountain of youth. It's the fountain of change. It's whatever you call it. Whatever mythological label you want to give to a body of water, this is it right here. Till next time, thanks for joining in. Thank you for listening to The Sustainable Voice. If you have a success story of your own, please reach out and share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.